we were bombarded with decades of Western everything, culture, you know, music, television, movies, um, just products. We were like, we were giving decades of that history and it was dumped on us all at once. Yet at the same time, we had to keep up with all the current stuff that was going on. Hey, this is Mark Valley. You're listening to The Live Drop. My guest is Antia Arnold. She's the author of a new memoir called The Girl Behind the Wall. I wanted to speak with her because oftentimes when we hear about a book titled The Girl Behind the Wall or something about someone's experience behind the Iron Curtain in the Soviet Union and East Germany, we automatically assume some kind of cloak and dagger, espionage, intelligence, spy-related lifestyle. And in reality, there were a lot of people who were just living their lives. And Auntie tells a really cool memoir about a girl just growing up in East Germany and how she looked at things differently after the wall came down. She talks about um, feeling somewhat uh, alienated inside her own country and how she teaches her children in the United States about that experience. Uh, it was a wonderful conversation with an interesting author. I'm looking forward to her next book as well, Begin Transmission. Well, it's always interesting. For I, I'm always fascinated with, with people who grew up in the DDR. Um, I don't know what it is. I don't know what it is about the place. I, I think it has something to do with me being stationed in Germany in 88. Um, uh, but, but I think even farther back, reeling it back, because I grew up in a kind of remote part of the United States. Um, listen to this. Let's talk about me, right? I'm interviewing you, and let's talk about <laughs> no, no, me for 20 ahead. minutes, then, you know, we'll <laughs> kick it awesome. over. But I grew up <laughs> I grew up in like a pretty remote part of the United States. It was on the Canadian border. You know, there's some questions of identity going on. Like, wait, am I Canadian? Am I American? What, what's going on here? And, you know, sports were very important. You know, there was, there was a lot of rah-rah about, uh, you know, America being the best country. But then again, you know, we saw the border right there and Canada was right across and they didn't look that bad. Right. <laughs> I'm not saying that I grew up like in a, you know, as in, a, in an exciting international place as, as you, but... Um, you know, we rode our bikes around, you know, there were Boy Scouts and Girl Scouts, kind of like the Fry Jugend, I guess. And then we just, yeah. <laughs> you know, we had school, we had to walk to school. Um, you know, people were very hands-on. They were, we had pets, we were playing with things, you know, we went to our grand, walked through the woods to our grandmother's house. I mean, there was some very similar things. Yeah, sounds that, like it. <laughs> and it felt like, it, I felt like I was a little bit remote where I, where I grew up as well. Like, uh, we were separated from the rest of the country by the, by the mountains. And of course, you know, Canada to the north was a different country. We, I mean, mm -hmm. we went there, but it wasn't like you went there for groceries or anything or had friends. Also growing up in the Cold War and knowing that, okay, you know, we have this enemy we haven't even met yet, right, <laughs> that are behind the Iron Curtain, and they have this in incredible amount of missiles, and they're like super athletes, and, um, you know, we're, we're, we're kind of doomed. And, and then I think myself going to, you know, going to West Point and then going into the Army and being stationed in West Germany initially, uh, I was stationed near the Rhine River, Oh, okay. Near Mainz, a little town called Oppenheim, little Weinstadt right there on the on the river, and nice. <laughs> uh, I was there for about a year, and then I went to then I went to Berlin, and the wall was still up, and it was all very much Cold War stuff. It was a little tense at that period because there were quite a few 
um, demonstrations going on that were reaching like 300, 400,000 people. We thought either there was going to be World War III or it was all <laughs> going to be over. We didn't really know. So when I meet somebody, so when the wall did come down and I stayed in Berlin until 1992 or 93, I stayed there until 90, 90, end of 92. Um, I was there more or less during the Venda. Uh, I, I just could not wait to get over into the east. It was almost like an entire half of a city was suddenly revealed, and I just thought, "Who, yeah. who are these? <laughs> who are these people?" <laughs> you know. And uh, it's been interesting to see that. It's been interesting for me to to meet people who lived over there because it wasn't always cloak and dagger stuff, right? It wasn't always, no. you know, <laughs> it wasn't every everybody's family didn't you know work for this you know, has Stasi informants, you know, sniffing. No, no, definitely not. <laughs> so um, I guess I want to, that, that's my background in my um, infatuation. And I do a podcast called called The Live Drop, and it's based on espionage, intelligence collection. And I have to admit, it's a little, it's, it's, it's refreshing to, you know, to read a book and to meet someone who was not a spy, right? <laughs> 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 who, who just lived their life in, in and you know behind the iron the iron curtain and uh yeah again again i'm glad i'm glad you're giving me your time for this and i enjoyed your book oh no thank you for having me i appreciate it so i guess my <laughs> first question is why why did you um what what uh, motivated you to write to write this book uh you know it the motivation was um was really you know, I know it sounds look so cliche in a sense, but I really wrote it for my kids mm-hmm. because my my family is is really small, and you know, I I obviously live in the in the in the states right now, and I'm like the black sheep of the family. I'm like the only one over here, and left everybody high and dry, so to speak, back back at home in Germany. Do you and, feel any guilt about? I don't mean to interrupt you. Do you feel any guilt yeah. about that, like leaving everyone back there? Uh, you, you know, it's it's. It's now I have a like um, a sense of guilt, like occasionally, you know, when it comes to certain things, and and it's it's most um, most pronounced around like the holidays or, or birthdays and things like that. But you know, when you you know just graduated high school, um, you don't think like long term. You know, you you're just like, nah, I'm on my own. I can't wait to to get out in the world and and do things and experience things and. And um, so, of course, at that time, I was, you know, having no concept of what the heck I'm actually doing to my poor parents. Right. <laughs> so, 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 um, you know, obviously at that time, no, I didn't, I didn't feel any guilt. Um, I had, you know, my mom was, was especially really supportive of me, you know, going out and venturing out and, and trying new things. And, you know, so now, of course, it makes it, you know, kind of difficult um but technology is awesome right technology helps so much these days to kind of you know kind of uh, reel that in as far as staying connected and and that sort of thing so it makes it makes a difference but um you know what lacks is that you know kind of day-to-day interaction and you know when you have these family get-togethers right like you know now you know, when I go to my in-laws and my husband has this huge, ginormous family and they all have these stories, you know, of growing up and, and, um, you know, like, oh, I remember when your dad did this and your cousin did that and, and, and so forth. So, you know, I mean, my, my kids, of course, you know, they're not going to hear those kind of stories and, um, from, from my side of the family. So I figured, 
you know, I wanted to provide them sort of that um, first person perspective of my life growing up because I don't ever want to be in a situation where they quote unquote hear it from somebody else, from somebody who really doesn't know me, really doesn't, um, you know, know my story. And so I figured, you know, I kind of wrote it all down a little bit here and there. And then um, just throughout um, places that I worked, you know, I always um, encountered people that really like traveling or found out through like the whole ancestry thing, right? Like their, their sort of family background and they became kind of interested in that too. And the one thing that I always heard people say was, your story sounds like my grandparents' story or something like that, you know, and, sure. and, and so forth. Uh, you know, it was kind of... So I mean, they, as, in, they, as in growing up in East Germany had a sort of Norman Rockwell kind of yeah. thing to it. Right? Like, <laughs> exactly. oh my God, you hit chickens. <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> I know, that's so amazing. Wow. <laughs> so, so, but, you know, and, and there was a couple people that were like, you know, why don't you just, you know, consolidate that? Why don't you just throw it together and, and make a book out of it? And I... And I thought, okay, all right, yeah. I guess I could do that. <laughs> I think you've got a, I think you've got a really fascinating series of books going here. I mean, first of all, yeah. your first book was like, okay, I'm in. And then now it's, oh, all right, now I got to wait. You know, <laughs> I know cliffhanger. <laughs> yeah, it's, oh, yeah, yeah. We'll talk about that later. I think it was really, it's really cool. I really like the way you write too. I mean, you're just very straight and to the point. I mean, it's the yeah. most, it's the most, it's really like for an American or someone to read it. I think you th- I think you talk about like some award you win or a pin you get in eighth grade from the pioneers and you're like Ernst yeah. Talman Ernst Talman was a communist leader in Germany. Boom, on to the yeah. next thing, right? It's right, it's right, like right. you're like, look, here's what you got to know about him. We'll get back to him later if we have to, but it's very uh you, I feel like I'm along I'm along for a ride when I'm reading this. But and that's and that's exactly how I wanted to to tell kind of the story. I didn't want it to be like this um quote unquote, um, you know, uh, this boring type of textbook feel to it. I really wanted to write the story like I would actually tell somebody who is sitting in front of me and ask me questions. And that's how I wanted to kind of write it. Because if it was written any different way, it wouldn't be me. It would be sort of dissected and make it sort of a, cl- a clean yeah. version of it. Yeah, you've you've done an interview with with Ian probably already, yes, right? I the did. Cold I War. Did. Yeah, I did an interview with him <laughs> as well. <laughs> you know what I find fascinating is that you you wrote this whole book. I don't I didn't remember seeing Stasi in the book once the whole time. No, I you know and um, I bet Ian Ian was probably disappointed. <laughs> Ian was probably in his English way. Ian, no offense, I love you. <laughs> I know, I know, it probably. But you know, I will probably touch a teeny weeny bit on on that um, uh, in, in in my second book because really, like like you said, you know, I I was it was sort of like a naive way of of growing up, and you know, and and just like truly during that time period, I didn't know, you know, who who was you know the part of the Stasi and, and, and that sort of thing. That, those were all things that I sort of discovered, you know, later on, like actually as an adult by, by asking questions because, you know, once the wall was open, I didn't really care anymore about mm-hmm. what was behind me. I wanted to kind of like move forward, you know? So yeah, yeah I probably did disappoint in big time. 
But it does it does set it up though. But I think it sets it up for an even bigger fall. Like when you do, I mean, I don't know if you did get, ended up getting your Stasi file or you know, <laughs> fi- finding out which one of your friends were informing in or whatever. But I think it's all going to be interesting to find out as it as it rolls out. What were some of the common misconceptions that you encountered? Uh, you know, a lot of it is is is, and you know, it's almost like there is still sort of a, I don't know, like an underlying. I don't know if you want to call it uh, call it propaganda or not, but you know when you when you turn on the TV and you know any kind of documentary um, sort of channel or whatever, you know you 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 have like this, you know it's always about you know World War Two and it's all black and white and it's all like dark and mysterious and angry and you know like all those things and 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 I really think that um, for a lot of people that's what they envision East Germany was like. It was basically just an extension of, you know, World War II. So we, you know, it was it was a black and white world. That's kind of the impression that I um, always get from, um, you know, most people. They have sort of that mindset of of um, just bleak, you know, like concrete. There was like not a single tree over there. <laughs> You know, and 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 they really have no concept really of what that time period was really like. Um, And so I think it's it's kind of eye opening to them to put like the color back into their black and white television, you know, to to really say, no, it's wasn't anything like you guys think it was, you know, I mean. For for like for the average person, I mean, there's always exceptions, and and I think there's also a big difference. Um, you did you, know, you, you did get into color pretty quickly in your book. The, the green, I, I just pictured <laughs> that green Trabant. I'm like, oh, I know. It's oh, kind of right. a, it's kind of like a swamp green color, right? Oh, it was horrible. But everything <laughs> had, but horrible. there was almost like a color palette that the whole country had to had to work with, right? Yeah, because you you really, you really, you know, you had like certain cars that you, um, sort of could, quote unquote, select from. It's but like the algae, colors, it's like algae green, like algae green. Oh, it green. was, it was, it was really like, I mean, terrible. <laughs> And, and and the other way, like you know, like that 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 white and then sort of off white and 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 the the bluish like thing, you know. And it was, yeah, it was very. Boring. Yeah, the off white <laughs> one was a little weird. I remember the off white one. It was it, it that one stained really well. Yes. That one had oh like, my gosh. That one had like it was kind of like a. You don't know if it was white at one time or if it was just the pollution from it. <laughs> I just remember seeing because I was there when the wall came down. I was like standing on the wall, and, woohoo! Uh-huh. And uh, <laughs> I went down and walked down to Checkpoint Charlie, and there was just a stream of Trabants coming through Checkpoint Charlie. I know and that's every, when you realized how many cars were actually <laughs> and these poor on little, the eastern side. These poor little cars were trying to cruise through Checkpoint Charlie, and people were banging <laughs> on them, and they're like, don't, people were saying, "Don't bang on them." They're, 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 they're breakable. They're breakable. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So yeah. yeah so but you had, definitely added some color to the place. Oh, definitely. And you know, it, I think it's 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 funny because you know my in laws don't really um, really ask a lot of questions. So I, I, mm-hmm. I always, even though I've lived here for it seems like forever, like the second half of my life, basically, I still feel that. Some of my coworkers and you know friends that I made through the jobs that I've worked in know me better 
than my own like family members that I, you know, inherited by <laughs> getting married. Like I re- there there's never I think there's always this still mysterious vibe around me that I sometimes get when they look at me like they don't can't quite figure me out and so this was a great book because I think that was sort of their private version of getting to know me a little bit better <laughs> right they thought that they they thought that your your husband had had let like you know had had brought a spy into the family or something I know. Right? they probably thought oh no <laughs> You know, what did you do? <laughs> he's gonna, she's gonna poison him. Um, you know, take the kids somewhere. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, that's cool that you're sort of dispelling those myths. But I have to admit, reading that book, <laughs> reading your book, I'm like, oh my god. Um, you mentioned your, you mentioned your parents. Uh, what's interesting is it all, it's 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 from the perspective of a child in some ways, and. Mm-hmm. Um, um, look, I'm not like a big literary critic. I'm just kind of tossing ideas around. My my impression, right. my impression. So I mean, don't take this seriously. You sat back I'm like, oh, he's going to talk about my book. No, don't All take right. it that seriously. All right, hold on. Let me get let me get ready. Okay, go ahead. Yeah, get ready for your, some literary criticism here. Yeah. So uh, yeah, I, I'm not a big spy novel person. So I, I really like. I, I told that to Ethan. He was very disappointed. Or Ian, the Cold War podcast, which you should listen to. It's a fantastic podcast, by the way. Oh, yeah, definitely. I, I did actually listen to a couple of them. <laughs> but yeah, but he was as disappointed with me as he was with you. So that's all right. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> no, I don't I'm glad I'm not the only one. <laughs> I, was re- I, was, I was reading your book and I thought, my gosh, this guy, you're, you're well, I mean, my, my, um, you know, from, from my bias reading the book, I'm, I'm reading it like, oh my God, her dad's. A member of the Communist Party. Her dad's, a, her dad must be a member of of the party, right? Her mm-hmm. dad, her dad is a, it's the hammer's going to fall somewhere. I don't really know where right. where it's going to be. Somebody <laughs> is going to be. Is there is there anything um, in there with that? I mean, first of all, I think you know, growing up, there was just a your, your mother worked. You were in daycare. Um, it's almost like they had. A, um, you know, kind of some advanced education going on so everybody could work and do these things. But what exactly did your parents do, I guess, is my question. Yeah, so my my dad, you know, he actually, you know, just like most people did um, back in the day, you know, if you didn't go to uh, like a university or anything like that, you, you went into a, you know, paid apprenticeship program. So you, you actually learn some type of skill. And that's what my dad did. He learned basically to be, you know, like a a plumber in that sense, you know, and, um, and then he found out, you know, like, it wasn't really, I mean, he learned it, he went through the whole thing, and he worked, you know, that job for for some time, and then he decided he was gonna um, work in the forest, and, and just cut trees, so, you know, so that's what he did, and he got injured at some point which I still have this image in my head of like a split open leg and I'm like oh my god (laughs) so um but then he 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 did um he did join the army and I think his goal was at the time to actually stay there for a, a like you know a good period of time but um after about three years I think he he was like okay that that's enough I'm not doing this anymore and um he did um went to police school. So he actually did become uh, a police officer. Um, and my mom, you know, she, she started going to school to be a nurse. And when she became pregnant with my brother, who's older than me, 
Um, he, uh, she, you know, my dad didn't really want her to go back to school. And so she started, you know, working in, in a daycare. And when we moved to, you know, a really small town, uh, she worked like at the hair salon. And, and then in the end, she, um, because she didn't make a lot of money, joined um, the army, like, you know, as a civilian kind of, and, and worked uh, on an ar army complex um, in the one? cafeteria. Um, she she worked uh, in, uh, it's Gatsau. Um There was actually like an underground, like bunker or something there um, that I, I didn't even know that. I, did, I found out about all those great things after <laughs> after the war came down but um and my mom has you know her own um stories about that you know how sometimes people came up of you know they were all, all white in their face because they hadn't seen the sun for a long period of time or something really? like that right yeah so it's really it was really interesting and I actually went down into the bunker after the war came down and now i think it's they think do regular tours it's like but an airbnb back, isn't it now or something weren't they like renting rooms down there I, 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 maybe I remember they a few. Do. Years, well, there was one I read about that was interesting. They yeah, said, oh, you I'm spend not, your night in a bunker. <laughs> I'm not sure because I think, you know, back when I saw it, it was you know shortly after the wall came down. I would say maybe within a, well, I say shortly. It was probably within a couple of years or so. And um, and there was and I think there was a turnover of like the grounds and things like that. But um, it was it was definitely interesting to see it. And I'm like I didn't even know that. I was there, you know, when I visited my mom um, at work, you know, a few times. And so it was, it's kind of weird how like all these things are going on around you and you have no clue, like you're mm -hmm. clueless, you know, as a child, you're more into your own little world anyways. But, you know, you would think at some point something sticks out to you, but apparently they did a really good job hiding it. Yeah, that's interesting. Your father was of uh, Volkspolizei, I, yes. I suppose. Mm -hmm. right? And where did you mm -hmm. live? What you said you stood twenty three miles from Berlin. I guess where? Yeah, we were kind of smack in the middle between um, like Berlin and like the Polish border. So we're kind of like sandwiched in. It's like equal distance to each yeah. side. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. Oh, so you're out in the east, east. Yeah, mm -hmm. east, east of Berlin. East, east. <laughs> yeah. So, wow, your mother wasn't, <laughs> so your your father was in the service. Uh, was, uh -huh. he, was he like afflicted or was it, was it like mandatory? Didn't they have to serve at some point? They, yeah. They, and, uh, so it's still like that today, you know, where, where you have to, you have to serve for like a year. Um, but I'm not exactly sure why he decided he was going to just stay there for like, 10 years I think that was his, his goal that he had set for himself originally um, to stay there for like 10 years and um, and I don't really know if that was like sort of the thought for him of like you know uh, getting out kind of have a secure sort of set path or something sure. like that so but he's he's not a he's not a very good rule follower so <laughs> So I can see where he was probably at some point. Okay, that's enough. I've had enough of this. <laughs> so you mentioned something about your father telling telling stories. I thought this was interesting. You're, you're a storyteller, <laughs> we, <laughs> that weren't necessarily true. Which I thought that was fascinating. What did he? What kind of stories would he would he tell you? Oh my goodness! I mean, he 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 would. 
make up all kinds of different of different things. And 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 you know when you grow up and you know I really always had really great respect for my dad, and he was kind of it was like a relationship of where I really like respected him, I loved him, and at the same time I was scared of him. Really? Because <laughs> I was like, yeah, but like not in a mean way. It was just I I was. Uh, it was always like, oh my gosh, I hope I did, I, I don't do anything wrong or I say the wrong thing because he might like, you know, lash out or something like that. Right. Was he and, an observer uh, like you? I, I think so. In in many ways, I, I really do think so. And it was, and you know, it was always like the thing, like you know, never you you're allowed to make a mistake once, but but don't don't do it again after that because it was like it was sort of like. Um, working on a sort of mutual respect on both sides so he gave you sort of that lead way of like i'm gonna meet you in the middle but you really gotta work for that if you want to even be close sort of mm -hmm. to my level so it was you know you had to always work really hard to meet those expectations he but he was, oh always yes um but he was you know, he had, he, he was also, I mean, he's a really funny guy. So he would, I mean, he would tell stories and, you know, both of my parents, um, were orphan, um, you know, grew up in an orphanage, like different ones. Um, and so my dad has, you know, obviously stories from that time period as well, but he was really good at like telling ghost stories, you know, and, and, and even though I never like truly believed them when I was little, there were just, there was always that like, well, what, but what if it's true? Like, you know, like, what if it's really true? Like, and, but then I always wanted to investigate and I wanted to ask people, did you see this too kind of thing? You know, because I always wanted to validate right. everything. So, um, but yeah, he, he's, he's got, um, some good, and I'm sure some of it is like super exaggerated and some, some things were kind of put in there that weren't true or something, right. but um, yeah. Oh, is your father still alive? Yes. Oh, mm -hmm. wonderful. He sounds like an interesting guy. Oh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> and your mother, is she a storyteller as well? You know, my mom, she she is probably not so much a storyteller as much as she's like the person who remembers everything. Like, I'm the person right. that that remembers like the visual stuff. You know, I know exactly what things look like, um, what it felt like. Like, I have, like, the visual memory of, of all, all kinds of different things. But if somebody really, like, asked me to pinpoint it to a specific date or, like, that, like, that's where she comes in. You know, like, she knows. I don't know where she, like, keeps it all in her head, but she, like, knows all the nitty-gritty details of things. So she's, like, that walking encyclopedia you know that you if you needed to know something she'd be like well that's when this happened or that's you know like so so she's like the the collector of the stories kind of you know but she's not necessarily the storyteller <laughs> she's your she's your fact checker <laughs> yeah. yes <laughs> so now now we're really going off into the weeds here you said both of your parents were orphans mm -hmm. do you know anything about your grandparents or how, how that how that came to be no, I, you know, it's, it's, um, my, um, I, my, my mom's mom. So my grand, like my, you know, my grandmother, 
Um, I met her maybe two or three times. Mm-hmm. I remember one time when I was really, really small, I remember visiting her at her apartment um, in Frankfurt. Um, and and then later when I turned, you know, and then after walking down, I met her again. Um, Wait, Frankfurt, West I, Germany or Frankfurt on mine? Uh, Frankfurt Oder, so the East Oder, German Frankfurt. Right. Yeah. Okay. And and then um, and I met her again after walking down. It was, I think, my um, 15th birthday. She came and, and, and visited me, you know, like kind of to, for, to celebrate. But I didn't really know her. And mm-hmm. my mom, she certainly didn't have any kind of drive to you know have me really get to know her you know obviously Mm -hmm. she my mom grew up in an orphanage while her mom was still alive you know so that obviously that that relationship wasn't wasn't great reading somewhere that there were up to a thousand children that were i mean you've probably heard this before the you know the forced abductions and being raised in different families was there any particular you know any 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 reason that your mother was sent to an orphan. I don't want to. You don't have to answer this. It's super yeah, personal. Yeah. No. But. Well, you know, it's 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 um m- my mom. I think she was the youngest. I think I want to say she was. Well, no. I think she had one younger half sister, something like that. Um, but she had like older brothers, and her mom basically was, uh, you know, didn't really take care of her kids it was like basically abandonment you know Mm. in a sense they she didn't really feed them she didn't you know she didn't she didn't take care of them Mm -hmm. and um and so so you know my my um my mom's grandmother and grandfather they kind of took care of her um but you know they didn't really have any parental rights in that in that matter. So I, I think there was sort of a reporting going on where they kind of suggested to uh, the you know the child whatever department and and um, and then oh. my 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 grandmother basically just sent sent uh, gave my mom like a bus ticket to drop her two brothers off at a certain address and then and then show up at a different place for herself. So my mom basically she so she didn't even take her to the orphanage my mom had to basically go there by, by herself at a really young age you know and so, so your mother I just said i'm leaving i'm running away to an orphanage a lot of yeah, kids a lot was, of kids threatened to do that but she actually really did it yeah because she, she you know she she uh she knew she was better off there you and, know? How about and, your, and, and how she, about your father yeah so my my father he um his dad kind of ran away i think it was like shortly after you know like world war Two era like he kind of just you know ran off and and my mom and um his mom uh was killed by a train um so she got run over by a train so i never you know i never got to to meet her obviously and um so that's how he um ended up in an orphanage and and i did meet my grandfather i guess his dad um a couple times after the wall came down, but you know, it's like a stranger, like you don't know. And you know, if it, it's kind of weird because he, he is no longer alive. He died, you know, a few years ago, but you know, now like looking back 
and you know as an adult you kind of like reflect on certain things differently obviously than when you're in the moment and you're like a teenager you know um I, I wish now th there's sort of that regret where I wish I'm like oh I wish I could have asked him the questions like I'm now sort of brave enough to ask that I would never dare to ask at that mm -hmm. time you know like all the all the whys and why did you do this and you know kind of thing and um so I never you know got to find out any of those stories and I'm sure he had plenty of them <laughs> yeah i think it's interesting that your parents came from fairly traumatic backgrounds if you look at it in a general terms but and they were able to create such a bucolic childhood for, for, for you i know yeah. right yeah it's kind of hopeful but i guess I, I wanted to know i wanted to know so you you, I mean, you grew up in the ddr um mm -hmm. um for I, I just thought the ddr you know such a cool name ddr <laughs> <laughs> and uh east germany sounded weird it sounded like ah oh, germany what are you west east yeah um one of the things that i noticed about i want to talk about like specifically ddr culture is is um mm -hmm. uh, i had a friend from west germany and i was like the wall has come down and the people from the ddr they do that i was also i was all surprised that they you know oh my god they have you know the same Santa Claus. You, you guys have the same. You guys have all this other stuff. And she said, "Well, they're they're Germans, you know." Right. And, and that sort of hit me like in the head as an American because as long as I had grown up, East Germany was always a different country. So, did you mm -hmm. did you what was your experience in kind of rediscovering West Germany and similarities? Um. Well, it was really interesting to find out that they also had um, the Sandmännchen over there, which I didn't know. <laughs> so that was uh, that was interesting, right? I ever say Sandmännchen, uh, I keep thinking of Metallica, though. Yeah. It's the different Sandman, I think. Oh, maybe That's, it is the yeah, same Sandman. Maybe know. you never know. <laughs> so West Germans had the Sandman. I, that's what I heard that they that they had one too, but I think theirs was a little bit. Um, I'm sure theirs was a lot higher quality. <laughs> theirs was a rocking one, probably. <laughs> theirs was a what? The rocking one, you know, with the heavy metal one. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, it's fascinating but, that you had this character, Sand Mention, who had all these adventures, right? I mean, he was going to all these different places, but you couldn't yeah. really go there. No, we could How did and, you, you know, deal with that? It's, 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 you know, I think that is, is another um, sort of like surprising fact for, for a lot of people to to know that um even though we had like all these well, just to, of, for listeners the sandman was a television show it was like a children's television show but yeah. this little character <laughs> who went on these ad adventures i guess yeah all over the world right and 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 i think it's it's interesting for people to know that um that we were you know educated on places in the other places in the world I mean, I remember, like, you know, in my geography classes, I mean, we had, you know, the world map and, and, and your your quiz that you had to, I mean, it was kind of like crazy and stupid data, really, we had to know about. But he would, like, you know, our teacher would point to the map and say, okay, this is the country. Now tell me the population, you know, how many people live there per square kilometer, um, what, is, what are their major, you know, natural resources, what are the imports, what are the exports, you know. Um, so it's, you know, what, what are, you know, what's the weather like kind of thing, you know, and, and what's the capital. So we, we, we learned, like, all these, like, 
like facts in a sense you know we we learn what the people look like what they're um maybe uh i don't know their their the cultural like clothing was for holidays you know and and things like that so we had sort of a worldly global image of different places but like you said you know like we couldn't we couldn't go there physically you know we just mm -hmm. knew that they were there and um and knew kind of all about it and like these weird facts about it but that's it like you know couldn't 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 go visit <laughs> mm -hmm. so what things that you what things uh were you taught about um you know the rest of the world or america or west germany or south america or so what 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 things were you taught that you actually found out were true or made sense i mean aside from like population and geographical i mean were your i mean a lot of people think that oh everything that they taught you was just you know given this communist twist to kind of get you to toe the party line but i i'd imagine you had a pretty you had a pretty extensive education from kindergarten on i mean were the mm -hmm. things that you where you met americans or you went to the united states you said oh yeah i heard about this you know it's it's really funny because i always tell people um when i first went to the united states as a as a teenager i would sit at the airport and you know that was i remember like my first time ever flying and i was sitting at the airport by myself and I was thinking, and I was just looking around the crowd, and I was kind of like just scanning. And I could always pick out the American. Even if I didn't hear them talk, I could always tell that they were American. And I, you know, and it's really hard. Like, you know, I, I tell the story, and people ask, like, well, why would you, how did you know? And I'm like, I don't know. There was just something about them, like the way they carried themselves, the, the kind of, clothing they wore I couldn't like really pinpoint it but I could always pick them out you know um, but we were giving the stereotype that the American is this tall guy with a slight you know beer belly a jeans cowboy boots this big buckle of a belt a Stetson hat and chewing bubble gum and having like a Texan, you know, accent or something. That's how. Have you met him yet? <laughs> that's, no. your that's your husband? I'm, <laughs> I'm still waiting. I mean, I know I've seen him on TV, but I've never actually met them in person. But that's kind of the, the, the American stereotype that was like um, sort of pro projected on us. Yeah. Right. So, you know, and. Um, and I'm like, yep, I know, I know they're out there, but you know, you, we didn't really, you don't really get an, you know, I didn't really get a true idea as a, as a, a small child, how big the United States were. And they're basically pinpointed the stereotype to this one state. And even within that state, you know, it's like only like a handful of people that look exactly like that, you know? Mm -hmm. So, so that kind of, um, was interesting to me, but, um, but, you know, you had like that, you know, uh, there was sort of, you know, the movies that we've seen, like after the war came down and, you know, like 
Oh yeah, they really do wear their socks that high. Okay, so they really do wear. <laughs> we don't white anymore. That, we don't anymore. That was the eighties. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, apparently it carried over still to some people at that time. You know, I, tra- yeah. I traveled to the states in the in the nineties. Um, so, mm-hmm. um, in some places, apparently that <laughs> that look still exists. The striped socks. The striped. <laughs> yeah. But I and, pictured uh, these know. Germans wore their tube socks pretty high too, didn't they? Uh, we had different. Like with all the I, I sports mean, had, and athletics. Uh, no, did not you have tube really. Socks? I mean, like with the elastic on the top that held your socks up. We did, but you know, I hated We're them. We're really I getting detailed it. about I, our disturbing life now. I, <laughs> I hated them, and I always rolled them down. You did because I hate. I yeah, I hated them being that. High. I was very picky <laughs> about my clothing. <laughs> right. <laughs> probably why they didn't ask you to become a Stasi agent. That's at a right. Age. That's right. <laughs> One of the things I liked about DDR, just looking at, like I live there or something, but looking back, it's like, <laughs> I, I, I thought, you know, I remember reading about it, I thought, you know what? I probably could have made this work as a kid. I think I think I wouldn't have, you know, a lot of outdoor stuff going on and I loved playing sports as a kid and I think that was really yeah. an integral part of, of your growing up there. And uh, I think... Oh, yeah. And um, I think now, what do you what do you do now? Are you a trainer or something? A physical trainer? Yeah, I'm, I'm. I'm. I mean, I do like so many different things. But I, you know, it's one thing. You know, gym class was always my favorite class in school. Mm-hmm. Um, besides shop class, I actually did like to build things. So, um, and you know. And and I and so to me like the whole like oh you know you have to exercise and you have to keep your body healthy and you know the whole like rules of a, a pioneer you know and to me it well, always was like over, okay that's could you go over some of the other rules of the pioneer I think is it keep your body healthy I mean that wasn't something we really you know Cub Scouts really were pushing you know it was more like make make knots you know don't throw <laughs> stuff at people just, yeah. just sit there and don't be an idiot. But really, they had rules like take care of your body and health. And yeah, it was. I mean, it was. It was. You know, and and I, I forget exactly how many rules there were. I think there was, maybe there were about fifty or something. But you know, there were like sort of the our own quote unquote Ten Commandments. You know, they the like the top ten that you had to sort of like know by heart or something. Um, Do you know any of them still? And and it was basically you know like you know respect. You know the the elderly. Treat, you know, treat them with respect. Help your neighbors. Um, keep your body healthy and clean, and and um, and exercise. You know, keep your body strong and like um, you know, don't, you know, don't steal. Don't you know that that kind of stuff. So it was, it was. Um, so yeah. So the exercise portion of it, like I, you know, like it was even in camp when I went to summer camp, like every morning. Every morning was like a half before, like before, you know, your feet hit the ground and you had to go in 30 minutes exercise first thing in the morning. You did, you know, didn't brush your teeth. You didn't use the bathroom. You didn't do anything. You just went, rolled right out of bed and went straight outside to like 30 minutes of exercise every single day. (laughs) So, um, and I, I, it never bothered me because I, I get really antsy anyway. So for me, any type of movement was like the, you know, the, the, the calming effect. It was like settling me down kind of thing, you know. So, um, so nowadays, like, that's what I do. Like, I help people, you know, get healthy. <laughs> do you? Do you have a list? Do you have a list of things for them? 
Do you have a? Do you have a? Do you I, have I guess your own commandments. Yeah. <laughs> I should. I should really come up with my own. <laughs> That's your a good own, idea. <laughs> your own manifesto. Yeah. <laughs> I will use some of the Chuck Norris rules, right? Like something like that. <laughs> but yeah. Uh, yeah, no. I mean, you know, it's it's simple. You know, I think people nowadays, as far as health and fitness, they 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 way overcomplicate things. So I try to break it down in bite sized pieces for them. <laughs> yeah. So we're 43 minutes into this conversation. I guess I could mm-hmm. probably ask you like, a question that Europeans always seem to be able to avoid for hours. But what is it that you do? What do you, what do, you do professionally? Professionally? Like I, I – so I did so many different jobs, but I actually did go to school to be um, a certified medical assistant. So I did that um, for, you know, several – like eight-plus years. So I did work in the – in the hospitals and the um, surgery department. And, and, and so that was a lot of fun. So, um, and then now I'm still kind of in the medical field, but I, I do a lot of behind the scenes for um, physicians and nurses and stuff and, and keep their um, provide sort of accreditation for educational um, events um and so they can keep their licensures basically so mm-hmm. that's you know it's a lot of stuff and then you know then and obviously apparently I, I write and then i do the whole like you know fitness coaching um as well so mm-hmm. lots of different lots of different things <laughs> yeah tell me more about your your writing like what are your interests and what else have you not necessarily published but what what are you mm-hmm. what do you like to write about you know i'm I, I, even as a kid i always loved like fantasy type of things you know like like fictional stuff like i mean that's that's kind of like sort of the things that i like um i love fell into like the whole steampunk kind of genre so i i find Mm -hmm. that pretty um pretty interesting but you know i i as far as like writing explain uh, steampunk it's kind of like it's kind of like a going retro you know you're going kind of like back in time like meaning like the 1700s, 1800s or something like that. Like think of like that time setting. Um, oh, so it's like steam trunk, steampunk. Yeah. Is that the, play, the word came from? Right. I can't. But it's so you go back in time, but then you have like these futuristic, futuristic like um, scientific aspects of it, like in in a in a time in a time period that is supposed to be, you know, old and not. And not uh, modern, and but you have all of a sudden all of these different scientific, you know, gadgets and, and things like it's like the Doctor Who of like the you know seventeen hundreds or something like yeah. that. So so that's kind of um, you know what what I like. Um, but as far as writing myself, I I I, I le- because I'm like an observant type of person. I I just like to really write about what I see and, and what my perspective of things are and, and, and that kind of stuff. Yeah, you have a very clear assessment of what, what it is you see and non-judgmental, which is hard to do. So <laughs> I, I like that. But that would be interesting. What, 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 would be, what would be the spy novel about you as a kid growing up in, say, the 80s outside of Berlin. I'm thinking your mother drops you off at Alexander Plotz, right? You get lost. Right. You have to find her. Help me out here, right? You find right. out that she actually works underground in a bunker. Right. 
yeah, you know, it would be it would be really interesting if you could go back in time and just like follow me around because I. It reminded, it reminded me a little bit. I'm going to interrupt you for it. It reminded me a little <laughs> bit. I read this book about this guy. It was written from like the perspective of of a. Uh, it's almost like what if what if they're following you around and all these other people are actually like your parents are in the Stasi, your neighbor is doing this, you know, your mother works on nuclear weapon. I mean, who knows? There's all these things right. that are going on. You had no idea. That's right. <laughs> I'm just in the middle, bouncing around like a you know happy-go-lucky person. Like I don't. I'm like I'm like jumping over all the booby traps. Right? That's me. Like that's what I'm doing. That's that's kind of like looking back. That's that's what it must have looked like what I did like you know like just being like so naive about anything going on around me that I'm just totally avoiding all the little traps that have been set right so. right like what my neighbors are making like my friend her parents are making a balloon in their backyard you know we couldn't right. figure out why why are they making a balloon? That's a strange thing. That sounds like fun, you know? Right. You tell and, you your know, dad, they go to jail. <laughs> Wait, what? What? how did this happen? <laughs> yeah, because like I never like think bad. Were there, any things, I, were there any things that as you look back, you're like, oh, wow, this was a this. That was – Um. I mean, it happens to me now in Berlin. Like when I was working there, I thought, oh, this – one guy was just really interested in finding out about my unit. You know, he was, and I was like, no, <laughs> uh, these people were asking you questions for information about, do you remember anything? You know, the only thing is like, you know, even, um, you know, before the war came down, you know, obviously in East Germany, you, you, you were sort of always had like the feeling of everybody was sort of the same, but you definitely knew that some people for some reason were, quote unquote better off meaning like they had like the cool purple light in their kitchen window like I'm well, I want to have a purple light why can't I have a purple light you know <laughs> and and I'm like well their 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 furnitures are like a little bit more upscale than ours you know but not just ours but most of my other friends' furnitures you know like so you always had like sort of that aware you know but I'm like as much as I question things I just didn't really talk about it like they I kept them sort of all to myself like all my little thoughts you know and uh so but I you know you definitely I definitely knew like you know there there are some people that you know had 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 more things that kids had different kind of toys or more toys and um or different you know cars and I had them earlier and why do we have to wait so long and you know that kind of stuff and um have you talk, how did your parents explain the wall coming down to you? Uh, well, I kind of broke the news to my mom. Um, my dad was still at that time at the um, police school. Like he was finishing up police school because um, he still did like a lot of, you know, um, quote unquote, like, you know, continuing education for that kind of. So you had to go sometimes and go to trainings and what and whatnot and. Um, so my brother and I, but we went to school and, and then there was nobody there. So that's kind of, we came home and that's when, you know, we told my mom and she didn't, you know, like, what are you talking about? <laughs> we were so suburban. We were so country, you know, that I think the town we lived in, we had only like 2,500 people and we were, we, our house that we lived in 
was almost the last house on on that street. So it was like from our house to the main road was like 800 meters. So it was, and it was only woods around us. So it was so like, not, okay, good. Let's pack the trabi. We're out of here. Right, right, right. No, it was, it was we live yeah, here. Yeah, no. So, uh, so, you know, it was, and you know, that when it did happen, it was kind of like, are you sure? And then is this going to be long lasting, you know? And, and there was still sort of like that, the, the pressure from like the system based telling, telling everybody, Oh, you can't go over there and you can definitely not go over because, you know, you work, um, for the army and, and you work for the, you know, folks police side. So you, you, you're not even allowed to kind of go. So there were, so there was at the very beginning, it was like, as soon as it happened, it was like, uh, yeah, it's open, but you can't, you can't go because of, you know, your profession or something like right. that. Yeah. So it didn't. Re- the wall didn't really come down for your for your family. No, I mean it was not a, you know, not in November of eighty nine at least. <laughs> right. Yeah. We. I mean, we did go. Um, we did go visit. You know, Berlin, West Berlin. Um, I think it was like towards the end of November. We we mm-hmm. we made a trip over there to get our hundred. West Marks or something. Wow, can you describe it? Your impressions? Uh, you know, uh, it was, it was honestly like it was way too much for me to take in. I, I was so overwhelmed. Uh, I know, you know, we we took the trubby and we we went to um, what what is now Kurfürsten like Dump. the we we went well yeah we that's where we went we went to the Kurfürstendamm we went to the KDV you know and and there was. I remember going downstairs and just looking at like the grocery store portion of it. And I was like, wow, like, what do you mean they make yogurt in cups with pictures on them? And they're like, what? You know, and what do you mean there's all these different kinds? There's, and fruit, look at all in, there's fruit already and in there's the yogurt. Yeah. Fruit already in the yogurt. Like, are you kidding me? You know, and um, that's ingenious. And, and, that's amazing. <laughs> who came up with this? This is yeah. great. And, and and you know fruits you've never seen before you know candy and chocolate and just having like this huge variety but it was like it was basically everything was neon it, everything was just coming at you it was like somebody threw up all over you kind of thing that's exactly how i felt like and it so was like it recoiled from it it, it was it was so it was too much it was way too much like i had my 100 marks and I was so overwhelmed, like I didn't even know. I didn't. I didn't even know what to buy. Like I, 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 I didn't know what to do with it. Like, you know, like my brother, he was like, "I'm gonna go buy myself a Walkman, and I'm gonna, you know." He he had no problem at all, like spending his money like straight away, you know. Yeah. And um, and my parents put their money together and bought like a boombox or something. Um, and I was still standing there with my hundred marks, and I'm like, okay. I don't know. Like, what? What should I'm I buy? Invest this in <laughs> telecommunications or something, <laughs> right? Okay. I'm like, oh, I could really, really use this. Um, but then I was like, okay, well, I guess I can. Since my brother got a Walkman, maybe I should just go ahead and buy a Walkman. So that's what I did. I bought myself a Walkman. <laughs> yeah, I think I bought a Walkman in 1991, 1992. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so you bought a. Your first purchase was a Walkman. Was there like a diff? Was there another? Um, so I, I imagine you said it was a bit too much. Mm-hmm. How did you start to make, how did you, I'm just interested how, when did you actually 
when did it actually did you actually start to process it and realize oh that's this because of this and that's this because of that and i can go there Wait, at what point did it become I mean, it doesn't sound like you had an i doesn't i'm not asking for like a big epiphany but at what point mm-hmm. did it all kind of make sense to you um I think it it really started making sense and and sort of putting the dots together when um when at the in school like you know when they were all of a sudden like oh because you are you know part of the you know few students that have really really good grades and you therefore qualify to go to this other school now and and here's the paperwork and, you know, have your parents fill it out. And, 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 um, you know, and we did go visit my great aunt in Neukölln, um, as well at the, towards, you know, I don't know, like the, somewhere at, you know, late November or beginning of December or something. And, and, you know, and, and, and having like these adverts all the time like all these advertisements everywhere these all these tv shows and 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 commercials and like all of a sudden you know all your the things that you knew were all being replaced by all these new things Mm -hmm. and and all of a sudden you had no access to to just you know, for the first time in your life, you actually had options. I'm like, oh, do I want to buy this or do I want to buy that? You know, or it comes in all these different colors or hey, you want to buy this magazine or this magazine, you know, like. Um, How does that affect that your that- psyche when suddenly you have choices? I mean, I've heard this problem. Like, it's almost too many choices. It's, it's it they'd say That's the problem why Americans are so depressed or whatever because we have too many choices. But <laughs> I, yes. you're right at that point where you suddenly had to make a transition from, oh, I get, my car's green. I got to live with it to, oh, my God, I have choices. Right. Yeah. And, it, you know, and, and it was to me over uh, really overwhelming having and it really is true. Like I there were so many, so many choices that I had the hardest time making any decisions. I'm like, I don't know, whatever you want to do, I'm good with that, you know, kind mm-hmm. of thing. And and it's 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 really, really overwhelming and trying to because and 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 that those are all like those sort of like um, points I'm going to touch on in my other book because, and I'm actually more excited about writing that because that's a lot of things that people don't really realize. Those, like for instance, my husband, you know, he goes like, "Oh, I remember exactly when that song came out. It came out on you know July first, you know, 1985, and I was." sitting on the front porch and li- and with my cousin and we're, you know, and I'm like, well, to me, it all came out at the same time. To me, <laughs> to it was me, all like, downloaded. It was like 30 years of downloaded of popular yeah, culture. And it was, it was like this whole data dump that was, you know, put on you. Like you had to basically catch up and then still keep going on with everything else that was current. So that's why like I don't know. I mean that song came out the same time Oasis song like was on the like I don't know. Like you know it's, to me it's all the same era. To me it's all this it's all the 90s. Even if it came out like in the early 80s or 70s or it's you know 50s. It was to me it was all in the 90s. That that's when it when it all was brought to me for the first time. So it took, so whole, my whole like cultural you know thing is like a a mishmash and and that's probably that's why i still don't know anything about dates and times and (laughs) 
<laughs> you mm. know, I, I remember all the visuals, but I don't remember like because it's all one big data dump. <laughs> God, one big data dump. Yeah, so I'm interested in your next your next book, like in that in mm-hmm. that because I remember. I mean, you said you could identify Americans. Like I lived in Germany for about five years, and uh-huh. I got so I could identify people from East Germany. Uh-huh. I mean, I, I was obviously in the beginning just because of the clothes. You know, you could just the yeah. clothes were a little different, but then you could see everybody was starting to change and wear, you know, mm-hmm. wear some different clothes. But um, I remember. If I had to remember one thing, if I could tell someone was probably from the East, was there was a certain amount of, there was a certain, just a slight bit of, I'm a bit of a, an observer myself, you know, but there was just <laughs> a slight bit of self-consciousness, right? And I think that might, you're kind of, you're kind of giving me some insight into that where it's like, oh, not only are you just, you're not just finding your way in a subway, you're not just walking down the street, you're in a world that has been going on for mm-hmm. for decades and you've just been you've just been kind of given the the link right mm-hmm. to to download anything but did you feel in west germany at all any um like now you live in the united states but did you feel basically did you feel out of place in in west germany or any, any more than you do in america in the united states um uh, you know it, it definitely um you you know, it, it, I definitely did f- feel like an outsider um, because, you know, and I, I'm sure West Germans pick, picked us out like, you know, the red marble and like all the white marbles, you know, like, I mean, we were like that sore thumb that stuck out because because it's hard to go from from living a certain way to now all of a sudden transition. And, you know, obviously that doesn't happen overnight. So we, and, and, and people could tell. What did that feel like? Oh, it, it, it was really weird because you felt like, um, like you just felt like, like they're like, you, they made you almost feel like there was something wrong with you or like, Oh, uh, you know, we, we were their charity work. Like, you know, Oh, oh you, wow. you were kind of a, adopted you kind of adopted us what do you thank you you know like we were supposed to like thank the world left and right sort of like we we were like sort of the second class citizens in in a way you know we were like that group of people that were like you know we we didn't belong like we didn't have really the right to 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 think of ourselves uh sort of on the same level as everybody else you know and because it's funny because I remember stories that I heard, you know, growing up how, you know, West Germans look at us like, you know, we, we were dirty or we didn't have, you know, uh, we didn't brush our teeth and, 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 and we better, you know, that, that they had to be careful because if, if they would come in contact with us, we would like steal from them or something. I mean, it's almost like we were like savages or something, you know, Almost like refugees and, or something. In yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it was, it was really weird. We're like, like we were that poor population trying to steal from the rich kind of, you know? Mm-hmm. And so, and it, that, that part was hard because you always felt like you had to almost apologize for something that you didn't do wrong. Like you didn't do anything wrong, but you still felt like you always had to go out of your way to, be like extra nice or something like you're trying to kiss up to somebody or you know it was really weird um 
so so I think um, uh, from what my mom told me, like a lot of people who like kind of escape, you know, East Germany, you know, when they actually, uh, you know, or, or when, when they're walking down and they all laugh because they, they thought that was the land of plenty of and sugar and honey and all those things, you know, milk and honey. They all came back because yeah. it wasn't because it wasn't, heard, yeah. the, the, it wasn't like this, this, you know, utopian world. You know, it, you still had to, to work, you still had to do your job, you still had to pay bills and, you know, all these things. And and I think a lot of them came back because they were sort of the outcast, the, 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 the second class citizen. And you couldn't, I guess they couldn't strip that away from them, you know, especially I'm, I'm assuming even as an adult, you know, especially you had, you were sort of. Uh, you know, you grew up and you were sort of like shaped a certain way, you know, how mm. to think and how to do things and how to respond to certain things. And, and, and I'm sure that when, you know, whoever like left and went over to West Germany, they, they, they were just, it was so obvious where they came from and, and they couldn't fit in at that time, you know? So a lot of those people came, came back where it was like, quote unquote, their comfort zone. And, and and I know it's it's all different now, you know. People, are, but it took so many years for that stigma to sort of go away. You know, if you got a job or something over, um, you know, after walking down, and, and you worked in, in the western part of it, you heard people talk about the east, and 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 not in a good way. You know, mm-hmm. like we took advantage of all of them we took advantage of their system and and like like i said we were the savages like robbing them kind of thing you know so it was it was not everybody was all that welcoming you know and Mm -hmm. you really had to kind of pave your own way when you know in a sense and and you know it's it's different now and, and but i but there are still you know if you talk to maybe people like my parents age or something and older, you know, like there's still that, that stigma is still there for some of them. You know, they still have that separation in their head, mm-hmm. even though they live in a unified country, they still have that separation in their, in their head. Do you find West Germans when they ask you where you're, where you're from, if, if they're just really asking you if you're from the East or the West? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> how do you how, how do you see how do you deal with that? Yeah, it's uh you know it's it's re- it's the funniest thing of of for for me, you know, especially like when Americans ask me and I tell them like oh yeah, I'm from, you know, Berlin or whatever because I'm thinking I I can't really tell them. It's I mean it, it's like it's me knowing story. some kind of, you know. And um and they're like, "Oh." And <laughs> And, 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 you know, it's just, I'm like, I'm always like wondering, what does that exactly mean? But for most people, they don't, they, they think Bavaria is Germany. So everybody has Oktoberfest, everybody's drinking beer, everybody is, you know, walking around in their lederhosen and yodeling yeah. and, and all this. And I'm thinking, okay, so I'm assuming you've never traveled outside the country. Um, that's my first impression, you know, like, um, when people they they don't really 
I think there's so many people that that don't really know much about like the whole east west type of thing they have sort of like a like a scratch surface idea of it but then they never really care to investigate any further like the mm. average person i'm saying you know mm. like and, and and even if somebody asked like that second question like oh so wait you were were you from the east and you're like yeah you know and you call it the like, second question <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's the second and, question <laughs> it's the second question yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and and then uh you know and and then they're like Oh, and then and then it ends right there. Like they don't. It's oh, almost like wow. they already labeled you a certain at that point a certain way, and then and then the conversation like you know changed the subject kind of thing. You know, it's <laughs> yeah. really weird. <laughs> oh, that's gotta be strange. And um, do you teach your kids about you know Germany? The wall. I mean, it must be amazing. It's amazing now that kids are like, wait, the wall? What? Yeah, it's really. Um, I really tried, like, um, a, few, a couple of years ago, I actually took my daughter to Berlin, and because I thought, like, you know, at that point, she, she, she was 10, and I thought it was a really good age to really um, get, like, behind all of the things I've been talking about, you know, and, and um, so she, she, I think, it's really weird, I think the biggest thing that, like, that, that stuck out to her were all the, um, all the white crosses on the fence, you know, that were all the people that were killed trying to cross. And, and, and that, that part to her was like sticking out the most, like that really hit her, you know, but we did go, you know, see the portion of the wall that was still up. And we did go to, to the DDR museum and I had her write her name in Russian, which, drove me crazy because i'm like oh, let me just show you how to do this <laughs> right right <laughs> you know and but it was really interesting for her to see and and to all of a sudden have that hands-on connection to all the things that i've been talking about like you know this is the tv show i watched this is you know what this looked like and here's our living room and what it looked like you know to be able to really kind of walk in my shoes just a little bit was like really interesting to her and, and just seeing like the whole, you know, the Berlin in, in a sense and pointing all the things out and what was there and what wasn't. And, you know, so it's, it's so important to always, you know, have that historical aspect in mind and, and to realize like how far, you know, we've come as a human race in a sense, you know, like, um, so it's, it's, I always try to like, teach my kids you know like don't take take things for granted you know like and and learn about all these different things because by asking questions and by being curious is really when you're gonna have that sort of rounded perspective on things you know don't don't not everything should be like so tunnel vision and that's the thing like you know go out and ask the questions and that's what i kind of wrote the book too because i wanted it to be i mean there's all these sub stories to the stories that I'm telling in a book, you know, there's, but I really, and I could bore people to death with it potentially, you know? So, so I left it the way it is so that, that, that people who would read it, it left enough questions for them to then ask and to kind of spark that curiosity to investigate further for themselves, you know, to learn about that versus what, what they maybe read about, you know, during that time period, like, mm-hmm. you know, the headlines and 
who I don't know what America was or the rest of the world was being told about us, you know. So that so I'm gonna flip it around and say, well, this is what it is now. What do you think? <laughs> yeah. Well, I definitely, I, I, yeah, I think you definitely succeeded there. And sometimes your first book is like an act one, kind of sets the right. whole thing up, and then boom, the wall comes down, and now things really begin. So you definitely, yep. you definitely started like a, a, a series of books that I'm going to be interested to read. Yeah, thank you very much for talking to me today. I really appreciate it. I really enjoyed it. I don't mean to sound abrupt or anything, but I don't want to take up much <laughs> more of your time. We chatted for no about an hour and 15 minutes. <laughs> yeah, best of luck with your book. And um, anything else? Anything else you wanted to add? You know, stay curious. You know, everybody should go out there and, and venture out a little bit of their comfort zone and, and ask questions and, and and don't let that sort of quote unquote superficial layer stop them from digging a little deeper. You know, I think it's so important. End of transmission. All right.